Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. All right, first John, little John, not little Juan, not your cousin, not your primo. First John, last week we set up this journey that we would be taking in this book by understanding that along the way, as we work our way through this, we are going to be taking a lot of tests a lot of spiritual inventory, if you will. We would be testing our own salvation. We would be testing our own motivations, intentions, desires. We would be testing our own sincerity. Certainly, we would be testing our, our own hearts. I'm convinced that this is one of the healthiest exercises for any believer, is to look at the Word of God and to examine yourself against it. Say, is this, is this a reality in my life? Is this really happening to me? Or do I just go to church? Is this real in my life? Am I experiencing this in my everyday? Or do I just consider myself a good spiritual person? We established in our first sermon last week about First uh, John that John was writing this late in his life, and he was writing it to refute dangerous heresies that were making their ways around the church, the early church, and destroying families, hurting churches, as heresies always do. You know, the funny thing about a heresy is that it never presents itself as such. And ever says, hello, here is a new dangerous teaching. Would you like part in this? No, it presents itself as nice and beautiful. And Oh, well, how could this possibly be wrong? What could be untrue about this, this beautiful message? How could it possibly be wrong? Jesus warned us, didn't he? About false prophets, that they looked like sheep. How harmful could a sheep be? Big fluffy ball of cotton on four legs. How hurtful could a sheep be? But as you get closer, you understand that it's really inwardly a ravenous wolf. That is false teaching for us, is that it presents itself as gentle and kind. And yes, this is the right way, but really it leads us astray. At this time... In church history, we were really dealing with Gnosticism. We talked about it last week. That the Gnostics, they had a high emphasis on knowledge. That is the word. Is Gnosis is knowledge. And so they put this heavy emphasis on the secret knowledge that you could have. They, they believed in this form of God. They believed in this form of so-called enlightenment. By all means, a Gnostic would have fancied themselves a very spiritual person. They believed that all that you needed to 
get close to God was already found within yourself. It's already in you. You just have to tap into that, that inner divinity. Certainly nothing could be further from what the Bible teaches us, right? Make no mistake that we might not have this specific group of people. We might not have the Gnostics today, necessarily, as it were, in this day and age, but we certainly have false teaching aplenty. We certainly have plenty of teaching that sounds so good. How could it possibly be wrong? After all, I bought this book at a Christian bookstore. After all, this place is a church. He's, he has the title pastor. How could it possibly be wrong? You're just looking at things too harshly. It's no mistake that almost so many books in the New Testament were written to combat false teaching. Why? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Make no mistake that there has always been another way. There has always been a different form of truth. There has always been another life that has been offered since the beginning of time. Everywhere that truth is, lies abound as well to draw you away. And so the elderly little John takes to write his book to the churches to strengthen them, to remind them of the truth in Christ, that they may stand firm until the last day and stand before Christ unashamed. How many of you want that? I do. I want to know the truth so that I can stand firm until the last day. I want to know the truth so that when Christ comes, I need not be ashamed. I want to know the truth because Jesus said that he is the truth. Before I get ahead of myself, let's go to our passage. We're going to read 1 John 5 through 10, and then the first two verses of chapter 2, our title for this sermon today is God is Light. You'll easily see where I got that from as you stand, and let's read the Word of God. 1 John, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. This is the Word of God. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. My little children, 
I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sang only moments ago of your holiness. And we know that even now in heaven, the angels are singing that heavenly chorus, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, it's, it's that holy God that we want to come to know this morning, that we're reading about in your, in your word. Lord God, I pray that this morning that you would empower us by the Holy Spirit to see, to hear, that you would till the, the soil of our hearts to make it fertile ground to receive your word, Lord. That if any of us are self-deceived, Lord, that you would shine the light of Christ within us. That you would break stony, hard hearts this morning. That we may come to know you that you would strengthen broken hearts, and that you would definitely, God, help us to see you more this morning. We pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. God is light. This is such a profound section of Scripture. We read... 5 through 10, and then the first verses of chapter 2, but we undoubtedly will not have time to make it through all of them. Our focus will mainly be in verses 5, 6, and 7 today, and then next time we will look at the next section. But you can kind of look at this all as, as one unit of thought. You see here, it, most of your Bibles will show that at, at verse 5, you began a new paragraph, right? You see that? Verse 5 begins a new paragraph. And what the English translators are showing us is that a new unit of thought has begun. And that goes through chapter 2, verse 2. It is all one, one special unit of thought. It's one flow of thought. So, I want you to kind of think about that as we just look at verses 5 through 7 today. And the next time we'll look at the other half, but it's all connected together. So we will be referencing verses that we're not particularly studying today. But you'll remember from last week that John opened up saying in verse 3 that that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. And now he opens up this section by saying, Okay, now this is the message. Here is what we have seen and what we have heard. Look there at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light. This really isn't what you would expect John to say, is it? As we look at our opening passage, look at all of the references to life. He says in, in verse 1, 
uh, with our hands concerning the word of life. Verse 2, the life was made manifest. And then again there in verse 3, he speaks of the life. So you would expect this new section, whenever John opens up to say this is the message, you would say something about life, right? You've been talking about life so much already, John. Surely you're going to continue talking about life. But he says something very strange. God is light. So what does this mean? This is obviously a very important statement. Think about this. John also wrote the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wrote that one. There are 21 chapters in that Gospel. 21 chapters. John walked with Christ. He saw endless miracles. He saw, he heard endless teaching. He saw Christ die on the cross. He saw the resurrected Christ. But what John chooses to summarize the whole message of Christ is in three words. The God is light. What a profound statement this is. God is light. So we see that um, in, these, in this section, John is making three different claims. He says, if we say, verse 6, if we say, then verse 8, if we say, again, and then verse 10, if we say. So there are three different arguments that John is going to argue against and he's going to refute but he does this with making the opening statement that God is light has anybody ever seen um, I don't know law and order or some kind of law show or movie where they're in a courtroom setting you see that the attorneys always make an opening argument right they come forward they've prepared a statement And what they're doing is they're telling you what they're going to try to prove and how they're going to try to do it and why the other side is wrong, right? They do this in an opening statement and then the rest of the case that they're either building or arguing against is stemming from that opening argument. Are you tracking with me? And that is what John is doing right here. This is his opening argument as he begins to argue against his contemporaries He starts off by saying, the thing that you need to understand is that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Therefore, we could say, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Why? Because God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all. So if you find yourself that you are walking in light, you can't possibly have fellowship with God. For God is light. Let's address what John has actually said here. Three words. God is light. Notice that he has not said that God is a light. He has not even said God is the light. He has said that God is light. What he is doing is he is expressing that that light 
is his nature. It's his essence. It's his being. It's his character. It's who God is. He is light. John will make three God is statements over the course of his ministry. God is light. God is love. We will see later in 1 John. And then in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, we see that God is spirit. So John is trying to get us to understand the being, the nature, the essence, the character of who God is. Because guess what? That's where the gospel starts. The gospel begins with who God is. It's not about us. We are the blessed recipients of God's love. But we are not the motivation for the gospel. It is God. The need for the gospel is because God is holy. The reason Jesus came is because God is love. You see how it all starts with Him. It all begins with Him. And it's important that we notice that. God is light. This is His nature. Now what does it mean? In Matthew 17, you don't have to turn there. You can write it down to read through it later. Matthew 17 we find the account of the Mount of Transfiguration. Anybody ever read that? Wow, one person. That's incredible. Mount of Transfiguration. Two people. All right. Two people read their Bibles. The rest of you, you have church detention after, after church. The Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus takes three disciples up on the side of a mount, and he transfigures before them. In other words, he shows them, he reveals to them his divine nature. See, he had just been walking as a man. But essentially what he does is he peels back his humanity and shows them his divinity. This is an incredible mystery. Don't begin to try to wrap your mind around it. Just understand that this is what happened. He shows his divinity. And in him doing that, Matthew writes of Jesus that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Could you imagine what a sight that must have been? In John chapter 1 verse 4, John is opening his gospel account. He says of Jesus that in him was life and the life was the light of men. Later in chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says of himself that he has come into the world as light. In Acts 9, 3, Paul was on the road to Damascus. Anybody ever heard that story? Hopefully more than two people. One person, that's even worse. Wow. One person. Well, there's this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Um, Christians really think fondly of the Apostle Paul. He wrote a big portion of the New Testament. Anyway, so he was on the road to Damascus. On his road, on the way to persecute Christians. And on this way, Jesus comes down and saves Paul. He transforms his life. He comes down to Paul. Notice, first of all, and this is a side note, but notice that Paul was not looking for Jesus He was actually in the middle of his sin and Jesus came to him and said, you're mine now. But in him doing this, Paul accounts that a bright light 
was shining all around him. Later on in Acts, as he's retelling this story, he explains to the king that this happened at midday, at noon. How many of you know that at noon, the sun is extremely bright? More than two people, I hope. Okay, so we have eyes. I know that that's... Okay, good deal. The sun is very bright at noon, but whenever the light of Christ shone all around Paul, it outdid the sun. That's something amazing, folks. That is something incredible of our God for us to take special notice of. We know that God is so other. He's so transcendent. He's so outside of our categories and our mental framework that we just have to try to figure out a way to describe Him more. God doesn't have hands, but you read about the hand of the Lord. God doesn't have a face, but you read of the face of God. It's us trying to wrap our mind around the characteristics and the nature of God. And that's what we find in John's statement here, that God is light. This is another way of explaining His all-surpassing holiness, His all-surpassing righteousness, His all-surpassing purity. This is the glory of God shining. Is that God is light. He simply is light. Psalm 104.2, God covers Himself with light as with a garment. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul says that God dwells in unapproachable light. But I love this in Revelation 21.23. Listen to this. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. What would that be like? We don't even need a sun anymore because it is the glory of Jesus Christ that is illuminating everything. What an incredible verse that is. In other words, God is light in such a way that by Him we see everything else. Has anybody ever heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? All right. More people knew that one than the Apostle Paul. It's terrifying. The Chronicles of Narnia was written by a man named C.S. Lewis. He was a Christian. C.S. Lewis once said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And what an incredible statement. It's like this. Some of you may or may not know that I'm a bivocational pastor. Essentially what that means is that at this moment, I have to work a second job. My second job is as a civil process server for the court system of Texas. And that is a lot more fanciful sounding than it actually is. I'm really just a glorified delivery boy. I deliver paperwork. And it's fitting because in my first job, I deliver good news the good news of Christ. And in my second job, I deliver bad news, the bad news of lawsuits. It's not fun, but it pays the bills. Anyway, the other night I was headed to La Mesa to serve some papers, and 
It was later in the evening, and I was, as I was heading there, the sun was still shining. I could still see the road in front of me. I could still see cars all around me. I could see the grass moving in the field. I could see sunflowers growing. I could see cars passing me when I wasn't driving fast enough. I could see my speedometer. I could see signs. I could see curves up ahead in the road. I could see if something were going to run in front of me so I could dodge it. I could see clouds in the sky and so on and so on and so on. But you know, at that moment, nobody had to tell me that the sun was shining. Why? Because I could see. I could see everything in front of me. So I knew that the sun was in the sky. But on my way back, it was well after 8 o'clock and the sun had already set. But you know how I knew is not because I saw a beautiful sunset. It's because I could no longer see. So I knew the sun had already set for the evening. And as I was headed back home on that road, there are no lights. It is very dark out there. My puny headlights did not do a good job of replicating the light of the sun, if you can believe it. I had a very hard time seeing. I could barely see curves up ahead of me. I certainly couldn't see the field on either side of me. My wife thinks I have bad vision, but that's a different story. But you understand the point is I didn't need to be told that the sun had set. I knew it had set because it was now dark. I could see nothing. How foolish would it have been for me at that time to say, look at this beautiful sun in the sky. But don't you know that this is John's argument exactly? See, the light of God is transcendent. It is so powerful that it illuminates everything. By the light of Christ, we can see. Without the light of Christ shining in our hearts, we have spiritual darkness. Sure, we can go to church. Sure, we can read our Bible. Sure, we can be a nice person. Sure, we can vote Republican. Sure, we can care about moral issues. But unless the light of Christ is shining within us, all we see is darkness. But you know, quite often, a person that has been born in darkness gets accustomed to the dark. Many people in darkness have no clue that they're in darkness. But what they cannot do is to see the majesty of Christ. It is spiritual darkness. But look at what John says at the end of verse 5. In him there is no darkness at all. John reinforces his statement by saying that in him there's no darkness. This is very important because James speaks of God as being the father of light and in him being no shadow or variation due to change. Let's talk about the sun again. Has anybody heard of sunspots? A few people, not the spots you get on the skin, that's melanoma. I think, is that what it's called? I'm not sure. But the sun has spots in it. It has dark spots. What it is, is areas of the surface of the sun where the temperature is not as hot as other parts of the sun. 
And so when we look at it, we have this big, brilliant, shining sun, and then these dark spots all around it, imperfections, if you will. But God is not like this. There is no darkness in God. There are no imperfections in God. There is no stain of sin in God. There is no impurity. There is no variation. There are no shadows. God's light shines so brilliantly that there is no darkness in Him at all. You know, we don't even know what that would be like because in this room right now, there is darkness. Under those chairs, there are shadows. Under you, you cast a shadow. But with God and in His heaven, it is nothing but brilliant light. What a magnificent God this is. It is from this starting point that John will begin to address his contemporaries and refute their claims. Number two, we're looking at verse six now. Confession or deception. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him, you know, it's almost laughable to begin looking at this statement. I mean, how can a God be that magnificent, that brilliant, that bright, that majestic, that holy, that righteous, and me as just a person say, yeah, I know him? Do you understand the absurdity of that statement? I know that today we consider Christianity just a, a belief system. I know that today typically we mean that I'm a Christian means that I'm a moral person and I go to church. But do you understand that to say I'm a Christian is to say I have fellowship with the God who is light. I have fellowship with the transcendent God of the universe. What an absurd claim this is. It's absurd for, for two reasons. Number one, again, how could anyone have fellowship with a God like that? And number two, if you do have fellowship with a God like that, then there must have been some drastic changes that have taken place in your life. You see, we let ourselves get by so easily, don't we? Yeah, I'm a Christian, sure, whatever. But do we have the light of God shining on our lives in such a way that we no longer walk in darkness? Has God's light shone in our hearts in such a way to pierce through the darkness of sin? Has God's light shone on us in such a way that it has transformed everything in our lives? Or do we go to church? Let's be specific with what we mean. Because as John says here, and these are the words of the Bible. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we, what? We lie. If I say I know God while I live in the darkness, I'm a liar. Those are bold words coming from our Bible. If I say I know God, but my life doesn't say it for me, what does that make me? I'm a liar. And I don't practice 
the truth. How many of you know that I could say that I play for the Dallas Cowboys, but if I never practice with them, I don't have a jersey with my name on it, I don't get a paycheck from them, I don't ever sit in meetings with them, and I don't take the field with them, how many of you know that I am a liar? Anyone? Or are people in here believing that I play for the Cowboys? Surely you don't believe that. But when it comes to saying we have fellowship with God, we're so quick to say, sure, everybody can come in here. Yeah, sure. You're a Christian too? Great. We're all Christian. Hallelujah. But what does his word say? That if I say I know him, if I say I have fellowship with the God who is light, who has no darkness, but my life is darkness, my heart is darkness, when I open up his Bible, it's just darkness, I'm blind to the reality and the treasure of his word, I'm a liar. I'm not telling the truth. I can claim all day to be in fellowship with God. And sure, you might deceive yourself, you might deceive everyone around you, but who you will not deceive is the God who is light. Who you will not deceive is the God who does not look on the outside, but looks at the heart. We trade religions today like it's shirts, like it's clothing. One day you could be a Buddhist, tomorrow you could be a Scientologist. You could be anything that you want to be, and none of those things will really get you in any trouble. But to say that I have fellowship with the Most High God, who reigns high above the heavens, whose glory fills the entire earth, who has angels flying around him even now, singing, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. To say that I have fellowship with the God who spoke with the, from the burning bush, with the God who walked on water, with the God who, who performed endless miracles as he walked, with the God who resurrected from the dead, to say that I have fellowship with that God is a bold statement. And your life better show that that is a reality. Not so that we can say, hey, look, look at you, but so that you can definitely know God. So that you can know, I am in the light. Look at my life. I don't need to convince you. Because my life displays it for me. How many of you at the shining of a noon day have stood outside and it's been no cloud in the sky, you're standing out in the middle of a field? How many of you would need to be told that, hey, guess what, the sun is out? You'd say, yeah, no kidding. I can feel it. It's 138 degrees. I can see everything. I can see the waves coming off of the asphalt, off in the distance. Why? Because the sun is out. They wouldn't need to convince you, would they? Because the sun is out. And in the same way, when the sun is shining in your heart, you need not convince anyone. Because it can be seen. I see your life and it displays for you that you are walking in the light. It shines brilliantly. We need to examine ourselves. 
church. We need not be okay with, I go to church. I need to ask myself, am I in the light? Or am I a liar? Which one am I this morning? Our third point this morning is changed by the light. In John 3, Jesus says that everybody who walks in the light comes to the light, is exposed by the light, so that everybody can see that his works are carried out in God. We don't hide in the shadows. We don't have secret parts of our lives that we don't let people into. We don't have these things that we dare not discuss. We walk openly in the light. To walk in the darkness is simply to live outside of Christ. You could be a, on the surface, a morally great person, a super nice person. How many of you know this morning that hell will be full of very nice people who cared about all the conservative issues, who cared about abortion, who cared about tithing, who cared about going to church, who did all the right things but never had the light of Christ shine in their hearts. That is reality. It's the truth. We need not hide from that. We need to instead shine the light on ourselves so that we can expose ourselves, so that we can see, yes, indeed, I know Christ. Yes, indeed, I have been changed by this light. Jesus says it this way in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Not you shouldn't. Not it would be great if you didn't. You won't do it. Not because you try hard, but because the light now shines in you. The light is in you. You can't walk in darkness anymore because the light's on. How foolish would it be for me with the lights on to desire to only stay in the shadows and here you see me crawling under all the seats because I love darkness. I just want to hide from the light. But is this not what we do with Jesus? We don't want to be exposed. I'll gladly confess that I'm not perfect. Okay, I'll give you that. I'm not perfect. I have some mistakes. I have some flaws. I get a pimple from time to time. But a sinner? No. No, I'm not a sinner. Sinners are people who go to rehab. Sinners are people who go to jail. Those are sinners. How many of you know that if God is light, everything outside of him is darkness? How many of you know that we are born into that darkness? What does this mean? That all of us, outside of the brilliant shining of Christ in our heart, we all are standing condemned before him. We all walk in the darkness before him. 1 Peter 2.9 says that if you are a Christian, that God has called you out of darkness 
and into his marvelous light. For the Christian, this is the reality. You can look at your own life and you can see there was a time where I was in darkness. But thanks be to God, he's called me out of that darkness and now I walk in the light. Thanks be to God that the light of Jesus Christ shines in my heart. I don't need to convince you if I'm a Christian. You can see it. My works display it for me because the light is on. Second Corinthians 4, 6 says it like this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What does this mean? To be in the light is to know the glory of God. It is to be able to see the glory of God. Not in its totality, of course, but it's being able to see the worth and the majesty and the brilliance of Jesus Christ. Being a Christian is not, hey, I'm a Christian. It is having the light of Christ shine on you in such a way that you are in awe of Jesus. That you love Christ not because you're a good person, because he has shined his light upon you. The question for you today is, has this happened in your life? We're not asking if you raised your hand one time, if you walked to the altar one time, if you've called yourself a Christian your whole life. But has the light of Christ shown in your heart? So you can't fake that. You can't force it even. Has this happened to you? Or have you been going to church? Does light shine in your heart? Or have you been going to church? Do you know this Jesus Christ yourself or have you just been going to church we cannot know the light without being changed by the light so are you living in the shadows have you never come to the light have you always been in darkness are there parts of your life that you keep in the dark because you're too ashamed for people to know them. My friends, not one of us in here is not a sinner. All of us are. Every last one of us. We are sinners saved by grace. God's grace that he gives us freely. But you know what? Here's the caveat is that God only shines his light on those who walk in darkness. God only gives grace to sinners. God only brings people into the marvelous light who have been trapped in the domain of darkness. What does this mean? Is that you don't have to be a good person to qualify for Jesus Christ. It means that you don't have to have your life together. 
for Jesus to save you. As a matter of fact, his favorite candidates are the ones who are the biggest mess. Are you riddled with sin this morning? That's fine. Call upon Jesus and you'll be saved. Is this not what he says in verse 7? The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Not one sin, not some sin, not most all sin. Let's stand. Know this. If you will bring all of your sin to the light this morning, you will be cleansed of your sin. If you choose to stay in darkness, you will have no fellowship with the light. But why would you do that when the invitation is for the least and for the worst? Jesus begs the least and the worst to come to the foot of the cross and be washed and cleansed in His spilled blood spilled on our account for us. He did it for you, not for pastors. He did it for the sinners. He did it for the worst, for those who are in darkness that they wouldn't have to stay there anymore. If you are convicted this morning, bring your sin to the light that you may be cleansed. Let's pray.